the culture of Afrikaners and maintain their superiority. What says you? SAFM. By the way, if it's your birthday today, happy birthday. Many, many happy returns. You share your birthday with uh, the likes of uh, Janet Jackson, yeah, 53 years old today. Uh, Piers Brosnan is 66 years old today. Ralph Transvent from uh, New Edition is uh, 51 years old today. And Kubas Visa, remember him from uh, the uh, Rugby World Cup 1995 team? He is 55 years old today. Many happy returns. My Get Up and Go on SAFM. Influential people doing well in their respective fields. Yeah, bo! At uh, 27 minutes to 5 o'clock. Whoa! Fasin Hassan. Good morning this morning. Happy ter- happy Thursday, they say. Don't Good morning. Down. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Ah, sheesh. We're like this and like that. You know, we're partly cloudy. What the wind blowing through Yeah, our ears. you know, that's, that's the thing about life. Yeah. <laughs> it's good and bad days. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, yeah. What time do you wake up in the morning? Uh, so it's actually Ramadan. So oh, yes, I'm yes, yes. To eat because we eat early in the morning before we start fasting. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm awake. My parents are awake. Oh, thank you for waking up so early. So, if if outside of Ramadan, obviously you've got to observe that until the last day. Um, yeah, outside of Ramadan, I would definitely be asleep at this time. Yeah, and wake up at what time? Seven. Depends. depends. Um, usually around six thirty. You know, it depends on on what I need to do, where I need to go, etc. Yeah, yeah. But usually, what do you do when you wake up in the morning on on a normal day, as it were? So usually, as a student. Um, um, I'm doing my master's part-time, so I actually have class last night, or in the evenings rather. But with campaign, which has been the case over the last few months, you're up really early, you have a full-on day between, you go up to the office, you're also going to communities. It's been a real nice, actually, experience of, of something different. It's a tough life for, for someone who's balancing, you know, growing up and, you know, finding your place, uh, books, and also just, uh, you know, doing the kind of things that the communities mm. would love you to do. I think, yeah, look, I think it might be considered that way, but I'm I'm really looking at it as an opportunity to learn, um, to grow. You know, I think I'm very lucky to be a young person who has that kind of access, right? To, to sort of different opportunities. The difference is these are a lot of first jobs um, and first experiences. So I think, you know, it's going to be a huge, I think, task uh, to keep anchored. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had that conversation with a number of different leaders, not just in the political space. Um, and I'm really, I mean, that's a personal worry that I have. But I think that's something that can definitely be addressed over the next few years. Sure. I mean, the passion we've seen you display during Fizma's fall was like, wow, if I could get 10% of that, I'll be sorted. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, the one thing, at least, uh, you know, when you're young, you have this level of idealism, this level of energy, um, and I think it's exactly what our political scape needs. Uh, we need that ejection of, of young people in this space. And did you find that when you talk to your contemporaries, um, there was discussion around fatigue in terms of how today's politics are looked at? Yeah, I think I think though we're young, even though we have a sense of idealism, um, there's a real understanding of the level of work that needs to be done. You know, the sheer volume in many ways. Um, and while I think we're very excited, I think business. 
um, which which I think is well placed given the kind of work that needs to be done, given the kind of um, dealing with structural inequality, uh, structural unemployment, you know, which is particularly amongst young people. Uh, so there is definitely a sense of who, what did we get ourselves into? But at the same time, necessary. Right? If if young people don't take up the mantle, somebody else will do it in our name and not do it don't not do it in the way we would. Um, so I actually think that there's 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 benefit to it. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Now, as, as a law student and uh, also campaigning for the right to education, somebody would have thought mm. maybe she would have been doing a BA in education. How, how, mm. how, how did that happen? Law on the one hand, pushing education on the other. Yeah, so I actually did a Bachelor of Commerce in, in finance and marketing and law. Um, and then I ended up with, with, with an LLB. You know, I think I'm the perfect example of having studied something which is very much useful and necessary, but pursuing that as well. Um, actually, I think it's been, been great is that this knowledge I have of the law, to large extent marketing and finance, has really given me a much greater understanding, you know, of, of the entire ecosystem. I think that's that's an appropriate word to use. You know, when you understand that, it's merely a key to a much greater part of society, and that I mean job um, uh, creation, even in some, some extent youth entrepreneurship, um, and understanding that education is merely the first step. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't view it as a, as a disadvantage, but I'm definitely one of those people who everybody thinks I study politics, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. This comes up a lot. People are like, oh, you did BA politics, but now you're pursuing it. And I said, well, not actually, you know, my, my experience in, in politics has actually just been about student activism and seasons for, um, and now this. So, yeah, I don't know if, I, I mean, in my heart, I still practice law formally. I did for a short while. Um, but um, maybe, maybe it is in my path, maybe it's not. Maybe, you know, many of us also, besides the fact that, that we always thought that you studied, you know, politics, uh, mm. politics has got, has been a subject that was discussed at home. Maybe dad, mom, uncle was involved and you kind of like watched them as you grew up and you thought, hmm, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah, my, my parents and foster activists, um, they're student activists even as this. Uh, and you're quite right. I think I grew up with a sense of, social justice, right? Growing up, understanding it's about the collective interest of changing society. And very often, you know, when I'm faced with difficult situations, and I'll be honest, I, I'll often consult um, my parents for guidance because coming from that generation, I think there's a lot to learn. Um, and even though we are, even though there's a sense of radicalism and militancy to some extent, I still think there's merit in this intergenerational mix, right? Mm. That we need to understand that there's a benefit to having experience even in the legislature, even in parliament. Um, and we must balance that with the kind of energy and innovation that we have. So I actually think we're entering a time across political parties where we're going to see some interesting political work get done, at least over the next five years, because we're going to have the a largest number of young people in public office than you've ever had before, or at least in a public, um, sorry, in a democratic South Africa. You sound like somebody that is headed for parliament. So I'm, I'm headed to the Houghton legislature, God willing, um, which I'm very excited about. Um, I'm very excited to move my work beyond higher education uh, and to really be involved in 
in, in the so-called day-to-day issues of people. You know, when we talk housing, talk sanitation, you know, um, basic education is a really big thing I'm passionate about as well. Um, so right now, I'm kind of going with emotions. You know, we're learning, we're figuring it out. We're all due to be sworn uh, next week. Um, and then from there, we'll get training and then we'll figure out really what kind of work and, and the extent of which we can be involved. Are you going to be solely missed uh, in, in, in the student world? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's next week, Wednesday or Tuesday, um, parliamentary members will be sworn in, but also um, MPLs, members of the provincial legislature as well. Yeah. And in all of this, do you find me time? Because ladies love their me time, time, you know, to do the fun things. Because obviously what you've been doing has been hard work day in, day out. I'm I'm thinking even when you were having a day out with the girls, somewhere, somehow, part of the topic would creep into, you know, activism. Yeah, now that you say it, it hasn't been an easy thing. Even just getting enough sleep, like a number of hours of the day, but I, I do tend to unwind by watching series. You know, I'm one of those people, Netflix. I love Game of Thrones, so that's been like something that could be an alternative topic of discussion because that's another thing. Yeah. When you're so politically involved, all you tend to talk about with your friends and you have to stop yourself is politics. Um, but I, I would love to believe it's possible to live a health balanced life. I don't know if it is, but I would like to believe it. And I'm actually going to be working on in the next few months, not now, anymore, like closer to the end of the year, of trying to find that balance once we find our feet. We're chatting it to. How, how does one, for lack of a better word, label you activist leader now that you go into the legislature, or we just look at you as a member of the legislature? How, how, mm-hmm. how do we describe you? I'd like to always be considered an activist. Um, I think activism work goes beyond just position. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, also for me, it should be the root, right, from which you act, whether you're a member of parliament or a member of civil society or even just an ordinary person, right? right? That activism should actually be the most important part, and that's the role that I take more seriously in in, in, in theory, right, in inverted commas. Obviously, I take the role of an MPR particularly seriously, but I think the root of all of that should be activism. So I would love for that to be constant. The uh, Student Peace Awards, um, it had a lot of people talking when mm-hmm. uh, you were you were given the award. I mean, there was excitement that uh, really and truly it is well-deserved. And yet uh, there were people also that spoke about the timing of it. Yeah, look, I think people are to all sorts of opinions, right? It's one institutional right. Um, but also these things, in terms of timing at least, to a large extent, I mean, they're out of our control. Um, and finding myself in the middle of that, you know, I just, you know, a, a, a lot of having to learn, I think it's an important lesson to learn early on in life, that there will always be people who disagree or have alternate opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're allowed to do so. You just have to keep on doing you if that makes sense. You see these motivational quotes, right? You'll see them on Instagram and all these different spaces. And you have to remind yourself, this is the goal, ultimately important thing. What do I do to get there? And if if it's not in that path and other people are trying to detract, then 
You've got to have a thick skin as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's an important thing to learn, I think, in the political space. People won't, they're not going to be nice, you know? Yeah. So you've got to learn to shoulder it early on. We're talking to award-winning Fasia Hassan. She won the Student Peace Prize from the Norwegian government for her active her work with the FISMAS Fall campaign, which was really, really taxing on many people. I can imagine for her, she must have slept probably four hours a day, if not less, and she still looks good. I would have aged, I tell you. Um, what keeps you going on a daily basis, though, Fasia? I think I have aged over the last Years. Say that again, please. I look. I, I think I aged quite a lot actually over the last two or three years. If I look at how we looked before we ran student governance and student politics, and how we look now, and I mean we're still young, we're in our early twenties, um, but you really see the toll that it takes on you. So in terms of um, um, coping, you know, it's also I think just about having good support structures, and I'm very lucky. You know, I spoke a little bit about my parents, but I also have um, friends. Uh, extended family who is very supportive. And you know, when you're really down and out, you know, you look for not not the kind of populist, so many people around you, you, you really look for that core people, those those core human beings who, no matter what, are going to have your back. Mm-hmm. And without those people, I severely doubt I would have made it through the last three to four years. Um, you know, I, I like the way you 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 put it by saying that uh, you know a lot of people put their bodies on the line. You did the same as well, and you know your parents and the people that loved you uh, worried about you. Did you worry about yourself, personal safety, and otherwise? No, I think when you wake, well, when we woke up in the morning, at least during season four, you resigned yourself to the. To a number of possibilities. The one was actual danger. You would definitely come into contact with it. You know, we were being systematically shot, tear gassed, you know, stun grenades, mass victimization, mass arrest. Um, and you also resigned yourself to the fact that you were likely to be hurt in one way or another, whether it be physical, emotional. I mean, this is another thing I think we haven't really unpacked the trauma, the emotional trauma of what we went through during Christmas for. Mm. Um, and and those are not scars that people see physically on your body, but scars very deeply cut through into your personality as well. You know, it's not things that you just forget about or you just move on from. Um, but one of the other big things that we also resigned ourselves to, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a law student, um, the potential of getting arrested and of getting charged which would mean the inability to practice law um, for forever. And that was one of the biggest personal sacrifices I had to make and consider that this fight for free education was far more important than my own career. Uh, and when I look back on it, I have no regrets on making those sorts of resignations and those decisions. But of course, it's something that you think about. You know, when you're standing in the shower, you think about all the decisions you're about to make mm. or you've made. Yo. Um, those are definitely things that go through my mind. Yeah. I can, I, I can just imagine, I'm trying to imagine a debrief session uh, every day. As, as you said earlier, you had a fantastic uh, support structure. A debrief session probably at home after a day, your folks were watching you on TV saying all these things and, uh, you know, 
you know, the running battles with the police and all of mm-hmm. that. You know, uh, give us a sense of the debriefing session you had at home. Yeah, I mean, I think it got progressively more difficult. 2015 police misfall definitely wasn't on the same level as 2016. Um, and very often my parents would, you know, there were a few times actually where they came to but see, during the 2016 protest. Um, and my parents said, well, this is similar to, to what it was like being a student in the 1980s during state of emergency. Yeah. And so while I think they were very worried, there was an awkward kind of weird moment of, to some extent, understanding. Right? It's a very strange thing that none of us really accepted because, you know, I was running from tear gas with my father. And there was that moment I could see where he was like, wait, what? Is What's going on? Is this where we're at? Um, but at the same time, I think as much as I was very sorry, there was a moment in which I also needed to push back and say, no, you're worried, but this is necessary. Uh, and this is something that has to be done. And for that, I think, at the end, at least, they were, they were supportive. Yeah, uh, that speaks to health relationships between parents and the children. Eh? Mm, no, definitely. Your mantra, well, what is your mantra? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, someone has asked me that recently. Get up and keep going. I think it changes, but right now I'm in a space of just get up and keep going. You know, just kind of keep your head above water and eventually you'll figure it. Yeah, yeah. Probably in your stereo you play that song, Keep Your Head Up. Keep Your Head yeah, Up. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, uh, <laughs> brothers, obviously, you know, that there's this thing that we brothers have. You know, someone like a lady like you with a lot of power, influence and vision, you tend to scare us. Do you find that brothers have that issue with you? So Chimamande, um, if anyone doesn't know her, she's a Nigerian author and feminist. She said, the kind of man that is intimidated by me is exactly the kind of man I don't want to attract. Uh, so I, I, I read that and I think to myself, excellent, that's, that's it. And, and also, you know, part of our very existence in these spaces challenges patriarchy. Right, we we entering into very male dominated spaces. So even even when I do other interviews or debates, uh, even even if it's youth, I'm debating males across across the board tends to be, um, and I'm constantly reminded on a daily basis that our success, and I don't mean as career politicians, I mean our success as women, hinges largely on dismantling the patriarchal system. Uh, and also a huge understanding that I'm only as successful as those that came before me. There are so many women, both nameless and named in history, who have paved the way for me to have an ability to contest public office like this, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the ability to vote, the ability to enter the ANC, the ability um, in drafting the Constitution, and then also just generally in society, I, I constantly remind myself that Yes, there's a lot of, I think, burden and weight on our shoulders, but I'm also carried by the millions of women who made it possible for me to be here. True. And and, and when you really think about the sacrifice that had to be made by women across history and across the world and across time, it's almost as if we can't fail because there's another young girl who's going to come after me and after her, and we have to pave the way for those women to come. 
Um, and when I really want to give up, because there are days where it's, of course, incredibly difficult, I remind myself that it's not about me, that it's about the future, and it's about every other young person who's going to come after us. That's how it should be. That's really how it should be. Um, your definition of leadership? I, I definitely consider leadership a very selfless journey. Um, I consider it something that, you know, it I know it sounds so but in many ways, I think true leadership is a calling. It's not an easy thing to put your personal desires on the side. And it's easy to talk about. People will say, yeah, yeah, I can do it. Except when you realize that most Friday nights, we're not out with our friends partying or doing whatever mid-25-year-olds do, right? Yeah. We, we, we're sitting with documents. We're sitting with dealing with the challenges of the country. You sleep when you can. You see your friends once in a while, you know. If you have a partner, you really have to find ways to make time for them. Um, and, and, and even, um, you know, Ramadan has been a perfect example. I haven't had dinner at home. I think I've had dinner twice at home over the last, since the beginning of Ramadan, and it's been about 10 days. And so I think people tend to glamorize leadership and in many ways glamorize the kind of life they think we live. And I want to challenge that completely because what people see in, in, the aesthetics of it is like step number 10 of so much work that went in to provide it. Uh, so I really want to push forward this idea of being a selfless leader, um, about, about genuinely looking at the kind of skills you have to bring um, and, and, and putting that to the fore. So it's not a simple thing of, hey, let me just become a leader. It's great for my CV. I really think that's the wrong reason. And I really think that's the wrong idea before you enter into any space of leadership. It's not about being popular and yes, powerful. And, and you will be required to make unpopular decisions. You will be required to do what's right for the long term, not necessarily what's right for now. And do you have the stomach to, to go through that? Because, you know, many people won't, they won't always agree with what you've done, but you need to know strongly that it is the right thing, even if, people can't see it right now. Wow. So what does the day look like for you? So today, um, so Thursdays I've got class. I've got to wake up, <laughs> obviously. Um, and now you're already awake, you pray, you get done. Uh, got some appointments, some meetings. We've got some interviews with journalists. Um, I've also got assignments that are due. Um, so I'm also playing a patch-up in my academic sphere. And then I've got a meeting with um, University of Africa. I'm also the deputy president of the national student body, the national SRC. Um, and then I've got class. And then hopefully I'm going to eat after that. And Jeez. I don't know. It's one of those days, actually, where it's going to be quite hectic. Yeah. I'm just thinking maintaining a relationship with you will need a very strong man, as you said. You're scaring everybody off. You see, you're the problem. No, no, no. I I don't think so. I I, I think, you know, when we talk about the definition you spoke about, uh, a man who is intimidated, I think there's a whole lot of brothers who will say, we are not intimidated, who actually would love someone like you because, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we need to be kept on our toes. Yeah, and and just to look for a partner who's, who's as ambitious or as... Driven, I think, is the word. It doesn't have to be in political space. When I meet people who are driven, I, I have a huge respect for it because now is the time. Hey, we're young, uh, meant to have the energy, meant to have the 
idealism. Now's the time to push and now's the time to really yeah. just sow those seeds that we're going to later on in life say, oh, thank God I put in all those hours and I had the time. Yeah, we all need somebody like that. We really, really do because this is when the best of us come out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Wow. Fasia, sister, congratulations on your award and, of course, on your way to the legislature. We hope it all goes well and also with your studies. We hope uh, next time when we see you get your Kamlada degree, it will be well-deserved because you've you've been really working working hard and, uh, you know, influencing a whole lot of young people, boys and girls alike. So keep up the good work. And uh, let's uh, let's see what uh, the next five years brings for you. It's been humbling. Thank you very much. Lovely, and uh, I hope everything goes well with Ramadan as well. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So that's uh, Fasia Hassan. She is studying. She's going to the legislature. She's doing all sorts of things, as you could hear. Uh, she, her, her itinerary for today is very, very busy. It'll make a lot of people just really, really... Really, really think, yo, yeah, it takes nerves of steel. That's our get up and go. So, if you have anyone in mind, by the way, that you'd like to hear on the radio, we are all ears. It's coming up to two minutes to five. My get up and go on SAFM. Influential people doing well in their respective fields.